Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing medicines. Today, we welcome John Scannell, an international lawyer who has spent his life building new concepts and ideas in the hopes that someday they would make the world a better place. Unfortunately, after a tragic accident, he became a victim of the opioid epidemic. Cannabis was the one thing that saved him, and he wanted to find a way to give back to the community. So he founded and is now the CEO of Cannabis Passport, the world's first rolling paper magazine. Welcome, John. Thanks very much. Yes. Welcome, John. We like to ask all of our guests how they got involved in plant medicine. So we wanted to see if you could tell us a little bit what changed after your accident and what led you down this path into the cannabis industry. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird story. Like it obviously was not intended to go down this path, like from the beginning, but at the same time, like when you're younger, you don't really know what cannabis is. Like you learn it from dare drugs and they come in and they teach you a little bit about it. And then you just want to go off and try it. Like it does nothing for you. And you're just always wondering, you know, what is the substance? So like during high school and stuff, there'd be alcohol everywhere and whatever, but cannabis was always like, you know, you can't even talk about it. You have to like hide it in the closet if you're even considering it. And obviously still nobody knew anything about it. So the only experiences I had with cannabis was just, you know, like uh, socially related or something like that. And I didn't really know of any actual medical benefits. And when you hear about people talking about medical benefits, you're thinking, yeah, right. This is just a, you know, this is a drug. And you can't tell your parents that this is even possible, right? And so, like, I had this really strange experience where I was always the gifted kid in the room. Like, I was valedictorian in my high school. I graduated ninth in my class in economics, math, and business in my undergrad. Uh, I got in, like, I had a scholarship at every single Ohio law school. Like, some were even paying me to go. And I ended up in Cincinnati Law School. It was a really great school. And uh, in my last year, I was severely injured. I actually, it's very difficult to talk about, but I had a, a testicular injury. And then the, it went to a, uh, a university uh, hospital and they had like students working on me and they ended up hitting a, a nerve in uh, down there. And it just ended up becoming just a living nightmare. Like I was doing really well in law school getting through everything. And all of a sudden I was uh, injured so badly that I had to end up getting an emergency surgery. And then after that, I ended up having to do 15 surgeries through the course of like three years and was pretty much bedridden. Like I luckily was able initially, like I was using, I would try to stay off of any opioids. Cause I just like, I knew that they were medicine. I didn't really know what they were. But I was being prescribed them all the time. And I just remember, I don't want that. I, I think I've tried this cannabis and it seems to work a lot better. But like back then, you don't know what the heck you're getting. You could get a sativa and it could keep you up all night or an indica. It doesn't help you with your pain. And so that was kind of the road that 
that I was on. And as I was trying to focus on law school, I ended up getting straight A's. And all of a sudden that next semester when I tried opioids, like, cause I was in just so much pain. I mean, I'd be crying in class. I couldn't even walk. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. And I tried it and then it just sucks you down this hole and a hole that you don't even realize is happening. And all of a sudden everything around you starts to just become about opioids everything everything you can think of everything you every thought on your mind becomes your medicine and then you go and you wait at doctor's offices for two weeks you know you have these two weeks and you go and you sit there for four hours wait with other people who are waiting for their medicine and it, it you start to look around and as a lawyer i started investigating it really hard because i was like this is just not right like what is going on around here and when i really discovered you know that opioids are actually derived from heroin like it was just for me, it was like, what the hell am, is happening to me? And then I realized, geez, I need to get off of these immediately. And so I have an uncle that my godmother had married in uh, a really good family. And um, he's a, on the board of the Cleveland Clinic. And he found me a doctor down in Orlando, Florida. And I had a da Vinci surgery on my spine to get out of pain. Mm. And I got out of pain cold turkey. Like I got off of the pills cold turkey. I just laid around in bed for three months, rolling around like it was the worst experience mm. I ever had. And then um, I figured, you know, I got to get in the saddle. So I got, I went up to Canada, like that's where I did my undergrad and I did a second law degree. And I just was researching a lot of this industry and just trying to figure out why this isn't happening because I fit like cannabis was the only thing that kept me, you know, out of pain, but then they're wanting me to go on to heroin. And I don't understand why they would then switch people from instead of cannabis to heroin, like you can't get a job in the States if you test positive for cannabis. But if you're in pain, they say, go ahead and get on heroin. And I know it's opioids and it's opiates and then morphine. And then they created heroin as an alternative for morphine. And then they created opioids as an alternative to heroin. And like, when you know that history, you just, you want to become an activist, especially after it happened to you and you got sucked down a hole you just want to do everything you possibly can to tell every person on the planet that this isn't right. And then you start looking at the opium wars in, in China and you look at the golden triangle and the golden crescent in Afghanistan. And you see these warlords are fighting and creating terrorist groups from their money that they are getting from opioids. And the pharmaceutical companies are controlling opioid fields, you know, poppy fields for morphine control. You start to realize the whole world is is addicted to morphine and opioids and that it needs to change. Right. And so, um, I was in law school and I graduated, like I got a second, uh, law credential so I could practice in Canada. And when I was younger, actually, I invented, um, the filter tips in the pack. Cause when I was younger, I always had business cards in my pack. And so I was going to get a, a patent on that, but I went to law school, you know, and you think, oh, you can't do anything with cannabis. It's illegal. So I kind of stepped off it. But then when I saw all these companies stole my exact design and were, and were, you know, every pack had it, I thought, you know, there's a play here. Like I can reinvent this pack. And if I reinvent it, then I can get some attention. But then if I reinvent it and create a platform out of it, then maybe I can get the attention that I really want to get. So I was, I founded it, I launched it. We went to a high times event, you know, it was very successful. Everybody really liked the product and it just wasn't like, it just felt like I wasn't connected enough into the industry for people to take me serious. So 
I was not looking for an influencer, was looking for an investor. And then David Irving from the Dallas Cowboys, he quit the NFL the way he did, where he just said, screw y'all. You know, like I have millions of dollars and I'm telling you guys, I'm not doing it anymore because like I'm strung out on opioids. I'm not into this. Like I would prefer using cannabis. And that story, which is probably a whole nother story, very cool story, but I teamed up with him and became his brand manager, did a public relations campaign. My dad paid out of pocket to get him into Sports Illustrated and to talk to as many people as we could. We traveled around the country. We went to I don't know, seven or 10 trade shows. We connected with everybody in the industry so that David could tell his story, which was the NFL is getting all these professional athletes addicted to opioids and they don't care. And they drug test everyone for cannabis. And then they they just don't care about these opioids and that they're giving Toradol shots to people in the locker room and they're stringing out all of their uh, professional athletes. So they become, they come to you a professional athlete and they leave a drug addict. And for me, it was just like, this is the best that we have in the world. What are we doing? Like, why aren't we all working towards a common goal, which is to get better medicine. And for me, it was like, that wake up moment where it was just like, you got to do everything you possibly can to change this. And so like we did protests at the Dallas game, you know, we were calling Jerry Jones out on a low, on an everyday basis. David's texting his, his, uh, his assistant on a daily basis. Then we're getting calls from lawyers. You stop that. You stop that. You have respect for, for us. And you know, it was like you, respect for you guys. Like you guys are destroying David's life. You're destroying everyone around these lives and you just do it for profit. And it was like, for me, I just had to make a change. And so I put more of my effort into that public relations campaign than, than growing the magazine. Um, and then we got, you know, we did great traction. Like we, we brought 50,000 of these to a trade show and we sold out, you know, instantly. And everyone knew that this was a really good product. And that was where we came, you know, onto a new group to like, figure out how do we make this product work? Because my idea was very unique and novel, but to get it into action takes a lot of work and a lot of planning. So we had to find a new group to, to kind of get us there. But that's how I kind of found my way into the cannabis space was it was really accidental. Like it was more like just, I was working on another project actually. I was working on a medical light because I'm an inventor. Like I have products around me all the time. I'm working on like a hydrogen fuel cell as well. Like I'm doing a master's program researching uh, the effects of not using this kind of technology, what it does on the environment. And so for me with this cannabis stuff was just straight activism. Like it was just like, if I can't do anything, like how can I do something? You know, like I'm just at home, you know, in Windsor, Ontario, how do I, how do I get this message out there? And no one's going to listen to me. Like if I went out and started screaming this, you know, to every newspaper, nobody would care. Like lawyers don't care. They don't care that everyone's addicted to this stuff. And like they, they know that big pharma's behind the government and funding most of these government programs and doing all this stuff. And and really, they they don't care. They don't care what's right. They only care about what makes money. And and that's a problem. And I think that we gotta do something about it. And that's why I created a platform was so that we can be activists together and we can, you know, push as hard as we can to change what we think should be the way it should work. 
Oh my gosh. What an incredible story. And just to get to see the evolution of the cannabis passport, I mean, we're very lucky that you sent us some of your your um, first edition so that we could take a look at it. And so for those of you, I'm going to do my best to just explain it to you um, since we're all audio here and not video, but I have it in my hand right now. Um, and it sits right in the palm of my hand. This And it's a mini magazine and you open it right up and you got your rolling papers right there and you have information and a magazine right underneath your fingertips. And it's something that, you know, I just, I, I feel is so unique and is such a cool product. Um, but I definitely am curious, like, how it works. Like, at first, I'm like, okay, so are the magazine pages, like, is that what you're smoking? And I'm like, that can't be right. Like, what is this? But so you have to kind of, like, explain how this works because there's there's actual rolling papers in here to use. But it's also a reference and in, in, in content uh, piece as well. Yeah. So the way that I came up with the idea was obviously when I was younger, I had uh, business cards because I was a business person. I, I worked at banks, even in undergrad during the summer. So I had all these business cards all the time. But all my friends, you know, were in Nova Scotia. It's the number one cannabis consumption location in the world. And um, everybody's always stealing my business cards, ripping them up and ruining them. And then I would I would have like a little stack of just phone numbers in my, in my wallet left over from all my buddies always stealing my filters. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to make a filter tip pack. Like I made my own brand called Ready Roll Papers, made a Facebook group, got on the, you know, made a website, was selling them, gave them out to all my friends. And it was about having these little packs of paper and the filters, you know, tear out and then you roll them up and you put them into your pack. But the original, you know, you go back to the original. The only reason that I did this and their blank filter tips is because you're stealing my business cards. <laughs> so once they stole my idea of putting filter tips in the pack, like just blank white filter tips, I thought that doesn't really do anything. Like usually I'm used to seeing phone numbers and businesses at the end of my joint. Right. And so I thought, you know, this is a really good idea. If you can advertise inside of the pack, then you know, you create value where there wouldn't have been value. It's just a blank filter tip. So what we do is we print on the filter tips so that it's perforate, you know, it's perforated filter tips and there's printing all over it. So that way that advertisement is visible every time that you go to roll it. So you're getting 10 filter tips, you're getting 10 unique interactions with that filter tip until it's gone. Um, some new innovations so that we, you know, cause I was, uh, I used to work at a newspaper and, and so I, I knew that QR codes, like I wanted to do the classifieds with just a whole bunch of QR codes back in 2016, but everyone said, you know, nobody will ever use QR codes, you know? So thank God for the pandemic where nobody wants to touch anything. Mm -hmm. Now we have these QR codes and we put the QR codes uniquely in the middle of all the filter tips so that if you can't, or if you want to use the filter tip, you got to interact with the QR code first before you tear it up and, and consume it. So my first packs, they were just straight coupons. Like we were gonna do the Groupon for cannabis. Uh, and we just have filter tips and um, some papers in the pack. Uh, but, and we had some really great traction with it, like because it's you can use a catalog of it. And the advertising, because there's not so much editorial space in there, then the advertising was really what was gonna be driving the distribution. So we thought, you know, um, I uh, had gone to a mentor of mine who was uh, my uncle's best friend. And my uncle, he used to own, uh, his family did own the Cleveland Plain Dealer. So he had a lot of publishing connections. So I knew, 
you know, I should probably talk to Uncle Tom and try and figure out what I could do with this. And then he connected me with a close friend of his um, who then connected me with my current business partners, uh, Jason and Greg at Canna Management Group. And we all had come together and they said, hey, we should have some editorial in this pack. And I thought, yeah, I had this idea, but that's a lot of work. You know, like we have to get an editor in chief and we have to do all this stuff. And they're like, but we can create so much more value out of the pack. So I went to the, uh, you know, went to the drawing board and came up with this really awesome new pack. And then we uh, started making mock-ups of it. And we came up with the idea of putting more editorial content in the actual pack. Because before I was going to put the editorial content on a digital side, because I figured nobody's going to want to flip through all of this paper. Maybe it's a bit too big. But we thought, you know, the new design, it's the same size as an actual passport. You know, it fits in more with the branding of Cannabis Passport. And so now um, the first person I ever met in the entire industry was Malcolm McKinnon, Dan Sky. So the first thing I ever did was I, when we walked into Champ's trade show, was he looked at my product and he said, this is the coolest thing that I've ever seen. So he was like, I got to get involved. And so me and Malcolm, we kept in touch forever. And when we were ready to do the editorial and ready for this pivot, um, I reached out to Malcolm and uh, we partnered on this pack and that's how I found uh, Malcolm McKinnon. But the whole so, idea behind the pack is that the advertising then pays for uh, the manufacturer so that we can give these out to everyone and be a very, very disruptive type of brand. So that um, like I discovered that getting into rolling papers is a very, very difficult uh industry there's only a few players in it it's very concentrated and so we thought you know as a strategy that instead of uh, focusing on distribution maybe we just focus on advertising and then turn the distribution model on its head and so that's what we've been working on uh, recently can you imagine a better you empathic health is a global community providing support so you can find more fun freedom and connection in your life Empathic Health is my integration solution for incorporating my healing work into my daily routine. Empathic Health has given me a space to use my voice to express my thoughts and be myself in a safe place. I'm excited to get to the type of work that gives my life more clarity and joy. Helping others has done nothing but help me in return. Know your medicine, know yourself. Join Elizabeth, myself, and the rest of the community today at empathic.health. So it's no secret that the cannabis industry has faced this real marketing challenge and it gets worse every day. We have, you know, friends and clients that are having their social media accounts shut down. Um, also, we reported uh, in, in June this summer, United Nations called for a comprehensive ban on advertising, promoting cannabis of any kind. So... Um, you have explained sort of what makes your magazine such a game changer, but this is really compliant, correct? I mean, how is it compliant and what kind of opportunities does it offer advertisers and sponsors? Yeah, so that was one of the things that I looked at really hard when I, when I invented it, because being like legal training, I tried to just figure out every single law that was dealing in the space, like anything that could right. could mess with the space. And so I looked at um, a lot of, you know, like Facebook shuts you down, like even just registering my 
domain or even working with FedEx or anyone, uh, like our samples are stuck in customs right now, is that um, they're, as soon as you put anything related to cannabis, they're going to come in and, and shut you down. So I studied the statutes and I studied uh, targeted advertising. Like magazines, like High Times, they've been around forever. So they've been able, like they used to when they first came out, they were illegal. And you had people like Mark Emery used to sell them across, like from across the street at, uh, at, across the street from police stations. And so I wanted to keep my branding super edgy, but I wanted to also solve a problem. So um, when you look at the pack, the only way that you can really get into the pack is you got to open it up like a magazine. So you first have to be able to get access to the magazine, which rolling papers are already in a very controlled area. They're usually behind the counter or, um, you know, you already have to be above the age of consumption to get into the location that these what, are being. What is that age um, to, to buy rolling papers? So in the United States, it's probably the same age right now as uh as tobacco, okay. which is 19, and same in, okay. in the in Canada is actually 18, and then it goes to 19. If you're able to actually purchase any of the paraphernalia, then you're already in a location that is already age-restricted. The biggest thing that regulators have against cannabis advertising is that children are going to see it. Like with the law, you always have to figure out why they're making a law. If you can figure out why they're making a law, it doesn't matter what they ever say about the reasons. Like if they come up with a bad law, but it's for a good reason, they're going to change the law to a good law so that it promotes that good reason. If it's a bad law, then you can fight to change it. You know, so I came up with an idea that if you guys are really focused in on trying to keep this away from children and you're trying to make it so that this isn't enticing people to use cannabis, then the whole thing has to be about education and the whole thing has to be about targeted advertising. So in this pack, um, you're not able to see any of the advertisements or any of the content if it's wrapped in plastic or it's behind the counter or there's an age restricted thing on there. So when you go to try and buy it, if you're not above the, the legal age to, to purchase it, then you're not purchasing it, which also means you're not exposed to the advertising. That makes a lot of sense. It's just there's not yeah. very many ways for cannabis companies to advertise. And so like the new creative ways that like this, that are innovative are really where our industry needs to lend on. I mean, we can't expect that, you know, Facebook and Instagram are going to get any better. I mean, they're, they're targeting more and more accounts, even just only with hashtags, even if they're not even putting cannabis related content on the pages. And so it's just so difficult for a brand to grow themselves when they're not able to market and promote themselves. And so this gives such an innovative and creative way to reach such a wide audience. And I love that there's editorial in it now, like seeing the evolution of this, you know, like the, you know, edition one, you know, edition two was like a little bit wider. And now with the edition three, I, I've only seen it on video, but being able to see that it's the actual size of a passport lends itself to being truly like a mini mag. You know, you get your your rolling paper experience, but with a full editorial mag. So I'm so glad to, to know that you got you know, reconnected with with um, Dan Sky and you know from High Temp, you know former from formerly from High Times. You know, what do you see as this editorial vision for the publication? Are you going to focus on lifestyle? Is it going to be education or a combination of both? Yeah, so I was just kind of touching on that and the way so um like i said dan sky was one of my most favorite people that i had met since i had come into the industry and then i looked him up and i listened to him on everything that he does and he's always just so passionate about everything 
Like he's been in this industry for 30 years and he's just been so passionate about changing it. Like he's never been a cultivator. He's never been like somebody who sells flour. He's never done any of that. He just shoots it, learns about it and writes about it. And he writes it about it in such a powerful way so that we can, so that we can actually come together and be activists together. That's why me and Malcolm got along so well when we first met. He saw what I was doing with David. He saw that I was standing up to the NFL like, I lost everyone when I stood up. Like all of a sudden I'm in the closet. Nobody knows I consume <laughs> cannabis. All of a sudden, not only am I coming out of the closet to say I love cannabis because it changed my life, I'm also taking on the NFL. Everyone thought I was insane. Like my family members, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I don't care what you think. And when I told that to Dan, he was just like, I agree with you. You know, and that kind of passion when you meet people um, that have a similar passion, similar energy, you just have to go with it, you know? And so our editorial vision for this publications is activism. It's like to watch everything that's going on out there. And it's to teach everyone. It's, it's education to teach everyone what has happened. How did we get to this point? Mm-hmm. Like in our first uh, publication, he talks about um, how the civil war soldiers were given hashish instead of uh, opioids and all these, not opioids, but um, morphine and different heroin related substances in order to kill the pain. Um, so like he just teaches you things that you wouldn't otherwise know. And then it kind of, if you were to share this with like your grandma or something, you give them, you know, evidence or facts that this, what you know about this substance is not right. Then it kind of changes things. Our, our goal is to kind of not destigmatize it because that's impossible, but to kind of normalize it. You know, like while everybody's at a family reunion drinking alcohol and screaming, yelling and fighting, there's going to be a group of people that it's okay to sit around and smoke some weed, you know, and that's what that's what we need to do is that at every level of the society has to look at the substance differently, not as like a heroin related substances, but something that's way better for you, like that you can actually use, consume it, get out of pain and then still function and not be physically addicted to a substance. So when does your first issue hit the street and where can our listeners find it and will it be available online? So our first edition, um, we're still in the sales process um, and then we're going to print with it, uh, hopefully in the next uh, actually just few days. And then we should have it. Hopefully, if everything goes right with COVID and all of the events and everything that's being postponed and canceled, we're trying not to plan specifically around any events, but we're hoping to get it around the MJ BizCon days, around Mm -hmm. towards the end of October, and then be able to just start launching this in every market um, as we go. We've we've hope we've you know gratefully gotten a partnership with one of the largest. Uh, manufacturers and distributors. They're in 90 countries and 300,000 locations in the United States. And they see the value in this because it's merging three major industries, magazines, rolling papers, and digital advertising. But it's a targeted method to put it all together. So this this, uh, invention really does exploit a certain vertical that seems to be forgotten by everyone else. And uh, we're able to offer our advertisers um, CPMs and visibility that's lower than Facebook. Because, like, I'm just trying to get rid of that stigma. Like, if you post anything on Facebook, you get your whole life taken mm-hmm. down, you know. But in our platform, you can advertise as much as you want, 
and we're going to promote you in every single platform that we can. But, you know, advertising through us puts your ads right in the hands of flower smokers. So 50% of the market is flower smokers, you know? And it's a big market. Good for you. <laughs> and so do you see this taking more of like a, like, will they will it be localized? Like, will there be local publications? Do you see this getting, you know, um, even going international? Like, what are your growth plans behind this once it takes off? Because we know it will. <laughs> so our major growth plans is to... Um, just hire as many salespeople across the country. We're currently in about 12 areas and everyone's building their markets right now. So that way we can uh, manufacture this and then distribute it, you know, everywhere overnight, be very disruptive. And um, as soon as that starts to get some traction and, and we can come out with more additions, more than 10 or 12 regions, we're hopefully getting into about 48 regions across North America and the United States and Canada. And then, you know, as soon as that solidifies, I see, I can see like these passport idea is not new. Like uh, they have travel passports, uh, Nevada state park passports. They have wine passports. They have tons of these exploratory kind of discovery methods. So this is just a tool, you know, it's a discovery tool. And I think that that could be used anywhere that there is a cannabis market, because if you have a cannabis passport in Europe or Australia or anything, it's going to do the same thing it's doing in the United States, right? And most people want to have a, uh, a tool to discover and eliminate their search costs. That's what this is, is that when you're trying to figure out the best medicine you can find, you want to figure out the best strains, you want to figure out what this will do for you, is it going to make you sleep, is it going to keep you up? You have, there's so much involved in that process. And if you're new to the market, you're not going to know how to find it, where to find it, who to even go to talk to about it. You know, so if you know that there's this educational device that goes out, there's discounts inside of it, there's editorial content to teach you, you know, or you just discover this thing, then it's like a discovery process. And I think that discovery process can happen anywhere. I also, I, I don't know that we've talked about it. And just to interject on the distribution, to me, that's really the brilliant part too, that you are getting this passport in every convenience store, glass shop, dispensary. Um, you just, with your distribution, you have access that nobody else has. Yeah. So like I said, we're, we luckily got in with a guy named uh, Ryan Levin. His Instagram is at get cones. He's a very close friend of mine. I've been working with him for, for over a year. And I was working with his head salesperson, uh, Jerry for over a year and a half before you know, we even brought this to his family to, to tell him, Hey, I think we're ready to start doing this. You know, like I brought him on the team because he really loved the idea. And so we've been working together for the last year, organizing it, sending him updates. You know, how do you think about this? And so we got into a really large company, hopefully, like it's still going very well, just got to keep it on the, the path. But um, Ryan's, Ryan's family's company is the largest manufacturer and distributor in the world. And they're, they, like I said, they're in over 300 stores or 300,000 stores in the United States alone, uh, 90 countries, 90 divisions. Um, so that was why I really wanted to partner with them was their reach on this on this process because when we're when our advertising engine is created and we're able to create just unlimited product and they have unlimited distribution then it should be like a no-brainer to just turn this on 
replace all of the blank filter tips with content and advertisements and then reinvent this entire market. So and that's similar. that's what me and Ryan Levin's uh, plan is. So oftentimes um, new ventures are looking for investors. And um, I know that they're... Um, listeners and just people out there who want to get into the cannabis market. It sounds like you have big uh, growth plans. So are you still taking on investments? Um, yes. So we actually, um, we've gone through a couple of friends and families. Um, right. And now we are looking to to expand this right now because we see an opportunity for growth. Like we didn't want to take in any money, decrease our value or with a small valuation until we had the large partners in the game. So now that I've gotten most of my large partners in the game, we have partners for events, like large scale events. Um, we have partners for the distribution manufacturer. We have advertising partners. So now that we're, we're at that point, now we have an investable you know, an investable vehicle, you know, like a real company that people will come into and really want to create value with us. And so we were hesitant to take the wrong money. Like we're really interested in taking the correct money, people that really see the vision, the shared vision, and see that, you know, how disruptive, how innovative this product is, because it can be carried over to multiple markets and multiple avenues. So we're definitely we're definitely looking for anybody that that might want to get involved with us and try and grow this product, you know. So how can our listeners find you? Because we might have some folks that are interested in being a sales rep for you. There might be some investors. There might just be some folks that are really looking for that activist like content and the educational content that you're putting out. And with you also having some online visibility, where can we send people to learn more? So we are driving traffic right now. We have a really innovative approach to selling advertisements. Um, any brands, any dispensaries, any companies that want to get involved, they can go right onto the website, and they can purchase um, they can purchase their ads right off of the website, or they can just contact the salesperson right at the bottom, and that's through cannabispassportmedia.com. And then we have the magazine site, so anybody that wants to check out our content. You can go to cannabispassportmagazine.com and you can learn how the whole experience is, is going to start. So like you grab your, your passport, you open it up, you scan your QR, and then that QR takes you to our cannabispassportmagazine.com. And then it allows you to explore all the different brands that are inside of the passport. But each QR takes you to a specific story or a specific brand or uh, it'll take you to their uh, like a, a link to the location of the closest uh, strain or the closest dispensary near you and the closest discount near you, you know? So as soon as you scan it, it becomes like a tool that then removes your search costs and you can kind of start searching around your area for different discounts and different cannabis opportunities like events, um, discounts on food, discounts on really anything that you would do when you're, you know, consuming cannabis. You can also just reach out to me anytime on the Cannabis Passport Instagram at Cannabis Passport. And I'm, uh, I'm managing that along with uh, Dan Sky and a couple of members of our team. So if you message that, we'll likely see your message right away. It's fantastic. And we're definitely looking for salespeople. Anybody who wants to make <laughs> really good money, 
um, right up, you know, we're trying to pay our commissions right as soon as you process the money so that you get paid, you know, when we get paid and we support our people as hard as we can, because I want to be disruptive everywhere in this industry, like in the media industry as well. Like I saw a lot of pitfalls in the publishing, you know, publishing models where the, the employees are not as highly as valued. So we'd like to value our employees. We want to really empower our employees with good commissions and a really good opportunity. Like when we first did this, me and my business partner, Joanne and girlfriend, we literally right before we went, um, you know, and went to print, we had one day to just get some ads. And I said, Joanne, find some ads. She just called around and within 15, 20 minutes, she had like five ads sold. Because when people see this, they understand this is a good opportunity. This is a unique, you know, location to advertise. And it's just kind of a cool idea. So they say, you know, they just kind of jump into it. So it's a really easy way to make money. And it's really fun as well because we're able to do uh, like we're going to be having quarterly events in each area. We're going to have events in California. And then we're going to be doing trade shows. So there's opportunities to travel and, and meet uh, celebrities and meet influencers and meet new companies to go get new opportunities so it's it's really about creating a really really awesome cannabis passport families really what i'm trying to do we're trying to create a really good culture really positive culture a lot of like our main um you know object of it is kindness open door policy and innovation so that way when people have good ideas they don't get forgotten like if you have a good idea you tell me about it because if you think it's a good idea you probably have a good idea swim, swimming around in your head you know and as an inventor i always want to listen to other people's ideas because they wouldn't have thought about this if they didn't think there was a problem like an invention is the human result of a problem that's what they say right as soon as you isolate a problem you can invent something to get rid of that problem and most people if they are inventing something that means they have a problem with something and if there's a problem that I don't know about, I want to know about it, right? So that's the kind of culture that we want to have. Fantastic. And we know that the problem here is that cannabis companies can't advertise very easily and that there still are so many of these stigmas that remain around this plant. And so this product is really exciting because we see that it can help disrupt both of those things. It can help you know, raise awareness about this plant and at the same time also help the companies surrounding it have a compliant and great way to get their, their, their product out there. So thank you so much, John, for joining us. Best wishes with everything. We're really excited for you. We know that this launch is going to be fantastic and that this project is going to really take off. So we appreciate getting you on the vine now before this takes off. So you guys heard it here first. This is Cannabis Passport. <laughs> Start following them on social. Get involved now because this is the world's face for first rolling paper magazine. And so thank you so much, John, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. This and is my first podcast ever. So <laughs> if I was a little rusty or anything, please no, understand. we appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you. It was really great getting to know you Thank a little you. bit more and hearing your story. And that's always so important to us to really expose the people behind the brands and why it matters so much to learn about these companies that are all really fighting to, for the same cause. You know, we really want to end the stigmas around plant medicine and help people live a better and healthier life. So thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in for another episode of The Vine, a plant media project podcast. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to never miss an episode. For cannabis and psychedelic news, visit us online at plantmediaproject.com. And to support the plant medicine movement, purchase PMP merch from our new online store. Together, we can end the stigma around plant medicine. Mm -hmm.